0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs
2: player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast
1: feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball.
2: Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 21. I'm John Stolness from bleedinggreennation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stoleness, and we've got your Eagles Saints preview episode. Of course, we're um, coming off a tough week against the Dallas Cowboys, and this game is not looking a whole lot more promising, but uh, we're going to break it all down for you here over the next little while, and joining me to do that is, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation at Bleeding Green Nation, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton.
2: BLG man. God, that was awful last week, wasn't it? It was terrible, John. I'm I'm still not over it. Uh, not me either. Like, I, that was the season. That was the season right there. I know they're still mathematically alive. I know the division isn't great. I know they still can make the playoffs. I get that. But it just it just doesn't feel like they can at this point anymore. Like, there's no fooling yourself. There's no like mm-hmm. – like, they haven't it's, – it's a week – well, it's a week 11 now. And they yeah. haven't been able to win back-to-back games. And they just failed to win the biggest game of their season at home coming off a bye. Uh, Cowboys coming off a short week. Like they had every reason to win that game. Like they should have been able to win that game. They had the better quarterback. They had the better coach. I mean, not on Sunday, obviously, but I mean, right. you know, in the in the bigger picture. Like there was no good reason for them to lose that game. There's no like, well, the Cowboys get paid too. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like that's no. Like they were the better team. That's stupid. Um, so it's very frustrating. Uh it kind of makes everything else feel pointless now. <laughs> of course, we have a game to talk about, <laughs> but it's just like, uh I'm not even trying to, you know, be super down. Like I'm not I'm not to the point where like I'm angry and I'm screaming. I'm just disappointed. That's what this season has been for me. And uh, I've been I've been trying to keep things in perspective. I've been saying that I feel like a lot. I think I've said it many times on this podcast where like the season is not some grand failure in the sense of, oh, they're just blowing. Like they're just this, you know, best team in the league and they're just blowing these games. It's a total uh, underperformance. No, it's not the case. They're, they are what they are. They're, they are what their record says they are. They are a four and five team. They're mediocre. They're boring, which I hate. That's the thing I hate the most for for us, obviously, and for you, the fans. Uh, it, they're just boring. Like they're not even fun to talk. Like, like there's, it's not an interesting team, and that's that's kind of what's bothering me this week. Like just as far as even going for writing for BGN, it's like, what do I write about? Like it, the team is mediocre. It's there. Like I, I don't. What else? There's nothing interesting about this team.
1: Yeah, no, and watching them play, they don't break big plays. They don't create any big plays. It's. One long plotting drive after another. I mean, their best offensive player outside of Carson Wentz right now is Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz is a great tight end. But when Zach Ertz is your best player, when your tight end is really the only offensive player doing damage, you're not going to score a lot of points that way. And we've seen the Eagles playoff odds take a big hit with that loss last week. Now at uh, 16.1 percent, according to Football Outsiders, I think Dallas is just ahead of them at 17 percent. Uh, only six teams in the NFC have worse odds at making the playoffs now for the than the Eagles do, and I think you hit the nail on the head. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, BLG. But that's what this season is—is is disappointing because we know that we've seen teams that win their first Super Bowl have trouble the next year. The Patriots after their first Super Bowl had a much better record than the Eagles will likely finish up with. Mm-hmm. Like they went ten and six, but they missed the playoffs after that. After that first season. The Steelers, uh, in recent seasons, uh, missed the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl. It happens quite a bit to Super Bowl-winning teams. There is a price to pay for playing so deep into the season, and you don't really know what changes you make during the offseason after a Super Bowl, how that's going to affect the following season. I think we saw a lot of the changes the team made over the offseason and thought, ah, you bring in Mike Wallace in place of Torrey Smith, that's going to probably be, at the very least, a lateral move, if not an upgrade. Uh, you, you had to let Trey Burton go. You, you couldn't bring Trey Burton back. And I, I think one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on before we start talking about the Saints game is some of the stuff that Jason Kelsey said this week because he talked about some of the turnovers, some of the players that they lost that aren't star players, but guys who filled roles, who knew what their jobs were and really helped to make this team go that aren't here anymore. And you've got the players here right now who were on this team last year last year that are either banged up, not a year older, so they're just another year slower, or simply for reasons that we can't put our fingers on BLG, not performing the way they did last year. And that's that's what makes this so frustrating, is that it is disappointing, because I thought we were going to get a better team this year. The personnel at the beginning of the season looked like it was going to be better, and for whatever reason, new players have been injured or haven't played well, and the guys who are coming back just haven't played the way they did last year.
2: Uh, so it's interesting what Jason Kelsey had to say about, you know, lacking veterans like Brent Selig and LeGarrett Plunt. And now I kind of almost don't get his point in a way because, like, having those guys isn't going to fix this team. Like, we can admit that, right? Like, right. it's not like, oh, the Eagles are just missing Brent Selig and LeGarrett <laughs> but like, yeah. like, Brent Selig's not even in the league right now, he's retired he couldn't get a job pretty well. I mean, you know, he. he uh, I'm sure they had offers out there, but they weren't obviously good enough for him to take it. And then LeGarrette Blount is struggling this season in Detroit. And, and honestly, I saw some Lions fans that I know who want him cut basically because he's not playing mm-hmm. super well in Detroit. So, but I think maybe uh, something to take away from Jason Kelsey's quote there is that it's just a different team. Like that's something I think we might've as a, as a fan base have struggled to grasp this year. Like, this isn't this isn't the team that won the Super Bowl. Like this isn't the team that won the Super Bowl heading into 2018. It's not that simple. It's not like the same team. It's it's a very much a different team and we're mm-hmm. seeing that this year. Yeah. And that's what kind of frustrate, frustrate, uh-huh. frustrates me frustrates me so much I can't even speak straight when <laughs> um like when this team loses games and I see on Twitter and the comments on BGN and just everywhere it's like you know, oh last year was such a fluke. And like the Super Bowl doesn't even matter now. Like, what are you? What are you saying? Like, what? I just don't understand. What does that even mean? Like, it's a different year. It's not like you win the Super Bowl and then next year, if you don't win the Super Bowl, it doesn't count. Like, that's not how it works. Right? Exactly. Season is its own season, and the NFL is a league that is designed for competitive balance more so than any other league. I feel like, like the the parity in the NFL is crazy. Usually, once a year. There's a graphic that the NFL puts out where it's a circle of teams, and each of those teams has beaten the team in front of them and lost mm-hmm. to the team behind them. Like that's mm-hmm. how the NFL works like that's yeah. it's just that kind of league like it's set up in a way where you know there is a salary cap and there is a schedule that's designed to for the the, the the top teams to play the hardest teams the next year, and that allows the teams from the bottom to move to the top, which the Eagles did by the way last year. And also, on the other side of the coin, allows the teams from the bottom to fall, or sorry, from the top to fall Mm -hmm. to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of it's what it is. Like it's it's how the league is designed. Uh, It's it's not designed where teams that are on the top just stay there all the time. The teams that do that, like the Patriots, are the exception, very much not the rule. Yeah, and it's very hard to do. So uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses because I'm not. Like you can be as disappointed and frustrated as you want at this team. And I don't blame you at all. I am too. But it's just like – just to, to have that perspective. Like I just think that's important. And just to – like last year happened. And it exists and it is yeah. real. Yeah. It doesn't – no matter what happens this year, it doesn't count any less to me. And uh, just, I hate it too because so many fans before last year would have said, I will trade – and they have said it. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've heard it said and I've, yeah. I've seen it said – I will trade, you know, like 50 seasons of going 0-16 for one Super Bowl. And <laughs> you say that then, but yeah. then they win the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden they're 4-5. and five. It's not even like they're winless. Like they're 4-5. and five. They're one game under 500, and that's just like the worst thing in the world. Now, this was to be expected. Uh, I remember, you know, thinking about last year when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I think I would get asked questions like, you know, how long is it going to take, you know, or we talk about it, you know, when's the honeymoon going to be over? And to me, it was like, well, if they lose to the Falcons, I'm sure they're going to be calls on WIP the very next day. About oh, yeah. People being mad. So it is what it is. It's the fan base. And I get it. I don't know if that answered your question there, John. I no, just kind of I've been thinking about this this week. Like I've, I've been in this state of mind where I'm just kind of like trying to evaluate, evaluate you know, where the Eagles are as a team, where the like where the fandom is as a fan base. So it's just it's been on my mind.
1: I think the problem is that if there was one or two things that you could really put your finger on and say, this is why we're failing, then fans would be able to at least come up with some solutions. But the problem is that some of the players who played really well last year, who were integral to the team doing well, are playing lousy this year. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem also is that you've just had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Last year, the injuries, you had some big players go out, but you had one guy at one position here, one guy at another position here. You didn't have four guys at one position all going down at the same time. And I think we have also seen, to me, I know that there are, there are some folks who kind of brush off the absence of the coaches who left Frank Reich and DiFilippo not being around anymore. I'm not in the coaches' room, so I can't say for sure what their absence really means to the team. But I'm here to tell you, from what I see, I don't see the imagination that I saw last year with with this off, especially with the offense. I'm going to just talk about the offense for a moment here. I don't see them using the personnel in quite the right way. I don't think they knew what to do with Golden Tate last week, BLG. <laughs> That's, I mean, they, had, they got, and that was my worry. I think I mentioned this to you a little bit in, in a BGN radio. I didn't really hit this point hard, but it kind of felt like Golden Tate was kind of a repetitive ad because you already had a guy in Zach Ertz who who covered the middle of the field, and what you want is for Nelson Aguilar to be that guy, which is what he was last year. And when you bring Golden Tate in, the skill set that he brought in was definitely different than what they had. They didn't have that yards-after-the-catch guy, Mm -hmm. but they had him for two full weeks, and they really didn't have any way of getting him in the ballgame other than bubble screens and the occasional and the occasional slant play or whatever. I mean, they just, there was no imagination to using Golden Tate last, last week. And some of the play calling, I know, I know Ben Solak mentioned this on one of the the and Solak shows, was how they've taken the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands in certain key situations where you would want him to be able to scan the field. I thought that was a great point, and that's kind of stuck with me over the last couple of days. And I thought, I thought Doug got, obviously he got out-coached last week by, by the Cowboys coaching staff. They seemed to know what was coming. Vander Esch, after the game, said he knew that screen was coming on third and two because the Eagles had run that exact play in that exact same scenario and scored a touchdown with it. So that's a tendency that it seems as though Peterson has allowed himself to fall into his tendencies and maybe has become a little bit obvious in what he's doing. And I wonder, we talk about the players who left and the difference in how the players are performing. I think the absence of some of those coaches, just the chemistry in the coaches' room is a little bit different and I don't think that's helped this season either and that's not something that could be helped. That was just right. an uh, that was something that was going to happen. There's no way around it. They had to figure out a way. And maybe this year is just a transition year. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this BLG. 2018 is just going to be the, hopefully the transition year. You win the Super Bowl, you have this transition year where everybody figures out what it means to be a Super Bowl contender year in and year out and then starting next year after you have a full draft, everybody gets healthy. The, the the coaches that are there have another full off season together i feel much better about this team going into next year i still feel good about it going forward i just think this is kind of one of those transition years that was just coming like a freight train and there's nothing they could have done about it
2: I think that's very fair, and I think that's good—a uh, good point, John. I think wasn't that kind of 2005 in some ways too, because yeah, like they lost the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it was like this team is just a mess; like <laughs> they're just yeah. a mess right now, and they they kind of need to get things figured out and get back on track. And that's what it took. Uh, to your point about the coaching staff, I think that's yeah. I think it's it's very fair at this point to question um, the losses of those guys, but it's just it's hard to quantify. Yeah, I think that's that's always talked about because, like, you you don't know exactly. I mean, we we have an idea of what they were doing in terms of you know, uh, you know, Frank Reich would help Doug Peterson with the game script, and the game script has been terrible because the, yeah. the Eagles it are barely been. scoring in the first quarter. So that's something we can point to. Um, but it's not just about losing those guys because, like you said, that's inevitable. Like, what what were the Eagles supposed to do? I mean. Josh McDaniels was a jerk and obviously left the Colts of the altar and it would have been great yeah, and screwed the Eagles <laughs> over. Uh, I think losing both of those guys, not just losing both of those guys because that was going to happen at some point, but losing them both in the same offseason, of course, I think yeah. really hurts. It would have been great to only have lost, well, it been mean, great to have lost none. But if you're going to lose, you know, at least if you're going to lose them both, maybe hopefully not at the same time. But whatever, it happened. But I think you know, go back to what the Eagles can control and that is their replacements. And I think you know, it's tough for me to look at Mike Grow and Press Taylor and say, Okay, these were definitely hundred percent the best guys for the job in like the whole league. You know what I mean? Because you're not yeah. you're not limited to internal promotion. Like you don't right. have to do that. You can right. go and make an outside hire and bring someone in. And there were some guys who were out there. Um you have Daryl Bevel. Who obviously got fired from the Seahawks and he has his issues, but like, and but he's not calling your plays at this point. You know, like I'm not bringing in Daryl Bevel to be the play caller. I wouldn't right. feel great about that. But I'm bringing him in to be a voice to Doug Peterson, and those two guys have a connection. They were with the Packers, um, and then you have Jim Caldwell, who again. Do I feel awesome about him being the play caller? <laughs> no, but he was a quarterback coach during Joe Flacco's hottest run that he ever had, and he has that Ravens connection there with Joe Douglas. Yeah, so maybe you bring him in. Like, it just seemed like you know maybe that's what Doug is missing, and that's what Frank Reich was. He was a veteran play caller, you know, experienced guy. Mike Grow is coming. You know, he's not. He's a younger guy. He's coming up. The ranks, and and so is um Press Taylor too, very young, and that's not to say they can't do the job because they're young. But it's, my point is, you know, maybe they could have used someone more experienced in here helping out Doug. Because think about it, I mean, Doug is still only in his third season as a head coach, right? Right. So to you know to have that might be nice, or just to have, forget even the experience for a second. How about just a a voice? And Ben Solak touched on this, uh, a voice outside of the organization. Yes, that's one thing I hate about teams who just. It's, it's what I hate about the Flyers, honestly, the most, where they just – they always oh, think yeah. the answer is within the organization. No, it's not. <laughs> like, yeah. And why would you think that? You haven't won the championship since 19, what, 76? Like, 77, was, 76, yeah, 77, 75, 76 yeah, like, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how are you so convinced that, like, you have all the answers? But that's what teams do. And, and like, they always think they know what's best. So, that that kind of irked me at the time. And maybe I didn't express that frustration enough, and I feel like I should have. It's just I, I hate the idea that just because they're in-house that they're automatically the best guys. I think you know there's there's advantages to promoting in-house. I think it you know it, it boosts loyalty or whatever. Like there's there's a pro to it too. It's not only bad, but I just I think that was an issue, and I think maybe uh, in the off season that's that's something they look to address. I don't know if that means firing might grow. Maybe it does, but I just think you know to bring in some more veteran. Or at least some more different voices into that room could help them because it just, like you said, it just doesn't seem like the offense has it this year. And now getting into this Reich and Filippo thing, too, I just hate this idea that like Doug is a total fraud. Like,
1: yeah, and that's not what I, I mean either. And I, you know, obviously, and yeah, you're not I, I saying that. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. But
2: it's just like, and, and even if he was, what were the Eagles supposed to do? I hate this because <laughs> I've seen people say, like, the Eagles kept the wrong coach. Okay, so what are they going to do? Like, fire Doug Peterson. After fire the, the, Super, team Bowl the Super Bowl winning coach, yeah. yeah. Frank Reich, come on. Like, shut up. Like, that's just not realistic at all. And and I just think it's also, like, it doesn't give Doug enough credit. Like, again, he just won the Super Bowl. Doug was calling the plays. I don't care how much Frank Reich and John, D. Fili- John D. Filippo were helping. Like, to some point, Doug Peterson was making those calls, and he gets the credit for that. And... I still believe in Doug Peterson on the whole. I don't think this has been his best year. Uh, but I've also seen people question him still going back from 2016. And I think that year is suddenly getting colored worse because of the Eagles are how they're doing this year. If you look back to that year, they were pretty good in point differential and DVO everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the record was only seven and nine. But I was so sure that team was going to improve last year. Not to the extent they did. I wasn't saying I knew a Super right. Bowl was coming. But I, I knew they were going to get better because the signs pointed that way. Now, uh, so so don't discredit that year as well. It's just like the the larger theme here of everything I'm saying. There's such a revisionist history going on with everything, which is what happens when the team struggles. Uh, it's only natural, but it's just it's not a fun place to be right now. Um, and to your larger point, I guess about this whole thing with the coaching staff and and this, tr- they're in a transition. I think that's what it is. Like uh, clearly, they're just probably not good enough now. Uh, they realize that. And they're going to have to fix themselves. And guess what? They have a lot of draft resources, one less or one fewer, of course, yeah, trading yeah, go and Golden right. Tate. They, they still have a lot of draft picks. Um, they have some, they have enough cap space to figure out what to do in terms of keeping some of their own players. And they have a franchise quarterback. And I still think they have a head coach who can be really good. So yes, in the long term, I think that needs to be said. Like, there's still a foundation here. And that doesn't guarantee anything. But they're not like eternally doomed.
1: Right. No, I agree with that. And. Obviously, this season is most likely doomed, and looking ahead over the last seven games of the season, the Philly, the Eagles have the hardest schedule left this season. Washington has the second easiest schedule remaining. So again, it is a tall mountain for this team to climb if they do want to get into it. And I did mention in, in a piece I wrote this week about the 2006 Eagles, how they started off 5-6 and six and then ran the table to win the division at 10-6, and six. and that might... <laughs> You probably saw BLG the 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 bleeding green uh, tweet that uh, promoted the story got got ratioed pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, people did not want to hear that uh, earlier this week, but and the, you I want I know and <laughs> I understand that. And teams like the Rams and the Saints weren't on that 2006 Eagles schedule, and they didn't have the kind of injury situation. I know it wasn't a perfect comparison, but um, you know five and six running the table is certainly a little bit more daunting than four and five, but. Uh, Again, the schedule the Eagles are faced with and just the litany of injuries at certain positions are too much to bear. And we're talking about injuries. Let's look ahead to this week's game now a little bit and let's go over the injury report because we see that at least the Eagles will be getting Sidney Jones back this week, BLG. Uh, He was a full participant at practice on Thursday. Looks like uh, we're going to get a good look at him on the outside and... um, Not a moment too soon because with Ronald Darby out for the season and it appears as though Jalen Mills is still not going to be going to be ready to go on Sunday. He did not practice on Thursday. This secondary is still banged up. We're looking at another corner duo of of Russell Douglas and um, and Sidney Jones on the outside. It looks like BLG.
2: And boy, uh, I mean, the Eagles were clearly just so wrong to keep Jalen Mills in the starting lineup. You just had to get Russell Douglas out into the field, didn't you? (laughs) Like. That's the stuff with when it comes to like second, like second guessing. Where I'm not saying like the coaching staff is always right, but there's you know oftentimes there are reasons you know why why they're yeah. doing certain things, and it's, it's sometimes they're I don't think they're always right, but sometimes they are, and that is a case where man, I just ah man, I I just I've never been a big Rizul Douglas believer in terms of him as a longtime starter. I think he can be a backup, sure, but I mean I think a lot of players can be backup. So uh, not feeling great <laughs> with him. Uh, in the secondary once no. again. But it will be interesting to see. I guess we're going to get Sidney Jones on the outside. I would assume that is where he would line up because I don't know who else you're putting out there with Darby obviously done for the season and then Mills out, like he's, uh, likely out, as you said. Uh, I guess, you know, Avante Maddox mans the slot at that point with uh, Corey Graham back at safety, who isn't really doing much oh other than being dad as well. Um, so not great That's going right. up against a, a Saints offense that, is scoring at will and just Drew B is putting up insane numbers despite the fact he's going to turn 40 years old in just uh, a couple months here in January. So it's pretty crazy how good this Saints team is and uh, how, and that's that's a big reason why, you know, I just I don't think this Eagles team can win this week. Like, I don't, how do you look at that secondary and a secondary that was getting beaten by Dak Prescott, who is very, much not as good as Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh, And and the game being in New Orleans, so you have the crowd noise and everything too, uh, which uh, um, so just that doesn't hurt the defense. I don't know why I said that. Bad point. Uh, (laughs) Scrub that from the records. Um, (laughs) uh, Point being, though, just that, you know, I just uh, the secondary isn't looking good. Uh, The defense, I want to talk about the defense a little bit, especially coming off the the Cowboys game. Yeah. There's been some talk that the defense isn't the issue this year. And I would agree in the sense of it's not the issue, but it is a issue. It's like it is very much contributing to their struggles. Yeah. Um, you know, the would numbers you say,
1: would you say it's equal to the to the offense? I mean I, I think it's a 50-50 uh... split. I think I think because a lot of it's timing, you know. Everything in life is timing BLG. And yeah. you know, that's what we yeah. saw in the Cowboys game last week is the, the the time when the defense would falter was was as crippling as anything.
2: They're incredibly unclutch. Like offense finally gets some scoring drives together. Finally, it takes forever, and all of a sudden, like they can't stop anyone, and they just allow like all the momentum to swing back into the other team's favor. Like believe you're in momentum or not, it's just you know they can't they can't come up big when it counts and and in key situations too, as we obviously know, as we've seen with the Titans game and the Panthers game and everything. Um, And you could say, sure, the offense could do a better job of scoring points where it doesn't you know the defense doesn't have to be in a spot where they are in such critical situations and there's some truth to that but you know the defense isn't creating turnovers they rank 28th in turnovers they only have seven this year in nine games um i guess it's hard to be like you know obviously they're trying to get turnovers it's not like an effort thing and you know i guess turnovers are fluky or you know there's some luck involved to some extent but i don't know um that's it's still ultimately it comes down to them that they're not making these plays and it's it's hard it's hard because then you're not setting up the offense with short fields to work with or you're not like you're not bailing them out you're just you know you're putting them in a spot where they're already struggling and now they just have to struggle even more to move the ball um which we'll get to i hope later to talk about the offense but just you know just another takeaway from that game like just you're, both sides of the ball. Everything is failing this team right now. Like every yeah. single like I I'm just frustrated with this like who like who do we blame the most? Like everyone deserves blame. I know it's a yeah. boring take. Spread but it around. It's there's no one who other than like you know like Zach Ertz <laughs> and and like Fletcher <laughs> Cox, like yeah. like everyone deserves blame.
1: Yeah. I I guess with the and with the turnovers, I wonder if the turnovers are uh, a factor of a measure of the fact that these defensive backs don't want to get beat deep. Early in the season, we saw the Eagles get beat on the deep ball on more than a few occasions. And I wonder if that has kind of scared the defense a little bit into playing back too much, not being aggressive enough. I mean, we saw Jalen Mills, the team started running that double move on everybody in the Eagles secondary and burning people deep. And we, we had thought, you know, hey, listen, that double move, it's going to, you're going to get burnt deep a couple of times. But you're going to get some turnovers out of that too. Well, we haven't seen anybody get beat on double moves lately, and I I think it's because Eagles defensive players are playing too passively. And frankly, the linebackers. I mentioned this also in a BGN radio a couple of weeks ago that the linebackers have been invisible this yeah. season. They've been invisible. Nigel Bradham last year has fallen off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, last year he was making plays, and he, I granted he was playing in the middle. You know, and now he's back on the outside because you have Jordan Hicks back. But Jordan Hicks has been largely anonymous this year, too. And yeah. I realize the Eagles play in nickel probably most of the time, that the linebackers are not a, a huge feature of this defense. But they're not doing anything. They're not getting anything going turnover-wise. And that that has been a big problem, too, with third down stoppages. The, the, the linebackers aren't helping out in getting key third down stops either. And again, that's a lot of times the Eagles are a nickel in, in third and long situations. The third and 15 last week against Dallas was infuriating because I know that Schwartz likes to play back and have players pursue, but it just whether it's a lack of execution on those plays or he just doesn't have the same talent that he did last year because of injuries or teams know what he's going to do in those situations, The Eagles' defense has not gotten turnovers. The linebackers have been invisible. And it's just way too easy for teams to be able to convert on these situations where the Eagles clearly should be in the power position.
2: Yeah, the linebackers, I mean, you think about the one play they've made, it was when Jordan Hicks uh, tipped that Eli Manning pass against the Giants, and again, it's Eli Manning, Uh, and Kamu had that good interception. Like, that's the only thing that stands out in my mind, and that's weird, too, kind of, because Jordan Hicks is, like, usually a ball magnet. Like, that guy is, like, you look at his stats, like, coming into this year uh in terms of like forced fumbles and interceptions. Like he's always making plays on the ball. But I, I mean maybe the injuries have just sapped him, you know, from being that kind of player that he, he used to be, or maybe I don't know. He's you know he's in a contract year and he's playing maybe a little more passively. I don't know. Um I like Jordan Hicks a lot as a as a player and a person um based on my interactions with him. So it's disappointing for sure to see that. And uh I want to flip it back to the offense for a second here because man, Uh, (laughs) are they disappointing in a lot of ways? And, you know, like I was just saying a lot of people deserve the blame. I mean, Carson deserves blame. Like that, the game against Dallas was not, it's, it's so weird because the stats look good, but just like, you're not seeing it. Like you're not seeing that manifest, obviously, because the team is four and five and it's just not good enough. Um, and they've lost three home games in a row. Like what the hell? Like they had the best home field advantage in the nfl since the beginning of 2016 and then they lost three home games in a row and you know carson uh was the quarterback for those so like not not very encouraging um not to say that i'm down on him all of a sudden but it's just like you're it's in a weird spot um i know john you'd want to talk about like is he having an elite year and no (laughs) he's not because Uh, it's not just about where he is, and he's not having a, he's not having a bad year. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying he's a bad year, but he's he's not having an elite year because and you look at what Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees are doing, and they're like it's just otherworldly, basically. Uh, and even around the league, and even Phillip Rivers, like you you have these guys who are just ahead of him right now. And I still think Carson is a top ten quarterback at worst, and I think at best he's top in that top five level. So. It's a very good spot to be in still, but it's just, you know, To my the point is that everyone deserves blame. And now with that said, I want to take some blame immediately off Carson, <laughs> as I say that, because <laughs> he has had to deal with the highest percentage of drops on third down this year. And that's, yes. that is courtesy of uh, the ESPN's NFL matchup show. I saw that and that kind of fits the eye test. That was like a big thing that kind of stood out to me in that Cowboys game. It's like every time, you know, they would need, Like a big third down play or or something, like Alshon Jeffrey's not making a catch, or and even in the end zone there, when Carson threw too late, I mean Alshon still had a chance at it and he's still not making the catch. Like I'm not gonna, it's ultimately not his fault, but it's just like someone make a play, like someone make a catch, and the the it looks like
1: Alshon slowed down on that route too a little bit or hesitated across the middle and kind of threw Carson off a little bit. So right, but
2: um the the overall thing with this offense that is so frustrating. It's just they make it look so hard. Like every yeah. every play, like every drive, it's like they have to, you know, dink and duck down the field. And it's not in a way where, like, Carson's hitting this guy. I mean, besides Zach Ertz who gets wide open and then falls down. But it's not like he's hitting a guy in stride and that guy is, like, you know, then taking the ball and making a couple people miss or, you know, they're scoring this big, long touchdown play. Uh, they actually, I think Shilke had pointed out, they rank like fewest in the league or, or they're at least towards the bottom in, in long plays that have reached the end zone this year. Like they can't get into the end zone on a big play. Like they have to drive down. They, they can get hit some big plays to get them to the red zone, but they can never just like, you know, finish that big play. And it's just, I don't know what that is fully in, in scheme or whatever, but it's just so frustrating. And in, in a day and age where offense – is being made look so easy by some teams in the NFL, such as the Saints, like this week. Yeah, uh, It's just like, why can't the Eagles have that? And we just saw it last year. You know, the offense looked a lot easier last year. But this year, it, like, it's so difficult. Like Carson, like, for him to complete a pass, it's like he has to throw it to a receiver who's being tightly covered and it has to be like the perfect pass or like, you know, it's low to the ground, and there's like no yak opportunity. it's just—it's not fun. Like this team, go back to what I've said at the top of the show here. It's just not a fun team to watch. Like, what is yeah. enjoyable? Like, what does what this team hang their hat on? Like, what is good yeah. and fun about them? So, well,
1: what one of the things I think really helped that offense last year was a running game, and yeah. I mentioned it. I mentioned it in the preview show before the Cowboys game last week. The way the Eagles beat the Cowboys last year was running the ball. They didn't beat them by throwing the ball. You had three running backs go. For 50 yards or more, I think he had 180 yards rushing that that night in in Dallas. And last year, we saw that this offense, when when Carson Wentz went down, a lot of us thought, well, you know, this is this might be okay because this is an Eagles team that has showed you that they can win games running the football. So then they had three good runners, and we've seen Corey Clement be one of those players who was, who performed great last year, who has just not done it this year. Jay Ajayi's injury is a was a killer for this team. It took a playmaker out of the backfield, so. The the Eagles are no threat running play action, which draws defenders up and helps you get deep, which helps you get some, you know, get some receivers behind the defensive backs. And there's just, there's none of that with the Eagles right now. They just, I kind of joked last week, I said, are the Eagles going to run the ball 15 times or more? (laughs) Well, they basically ran it 15 times and you can't do that in this league. You look at the great teams, the great offenses. I know that this is a passing league now, but you look at the Saints, they have one great wide receiver. But they have Alvin Kamara and um, Mark Ingram. Uh, yeah, thank you, Mark Ingram at at running back. Who and, and Kamara is just an unbelievable player yeah. out of the backfield catching the ball. He basically acts as a second wide receiver. But you have uh, with the Chiefs, you have Kamar Hunt. You have with the Rams, you have um, uh, Todd, Gurley. Uh, Todd Gurley. I mean, you have in the, with these great offenses, you have to have James
2: Conner and the Steelers. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you have these you have these great runners, and they don't have to be first round picks like with Conners. I mean, you don't have to. They don't have to be studs right i mean you can you can find these guys in different places like the eagles did last year they had a great committee where everybody knew what they were doing they also blg had an offensive line that wasn't completely banged up jason yeah. kelsey looks a step slower this year i mean for you know for for as old as he is it's i'm amazed at the fact that jason peters is out there doing what he's doing but he's banged up mm-hmm. he's not the same guy he was two years ago or in the first half of last year before he got hurt and lane johnson Bless his heart is battling through all these different kinds of things. so you you've got an offensive line where your your three best your three best offensive linemen are nowhere near a hundred percent and it's I think that is a big thing that's killing this offense is Doug Peterson doesn't have any confidence in the running game and that is taking away a lot of the effectiveness of play action and some of the things that they can do passing the ball.
2: It's really frustrating. I mean, the backs just aren't good. Like Wendell not. Smallwood, he only got two carries against Dallas. Like I think, you know, this they like they really looked at uh, their team during the bye week, and I, I think they were like, "Man, I think we have to get Wendell Smallwood out there less because he's not good. He's just yeah. clearly not good." I tweeted it out today that uh, uh, there are fifty-four qualified running backs in terms of fifteen plus yards this year. Uh, and Wendell Smallwood has exactly one 15 plus yards this oh year. And it was gosh. exactly 15 yards. And so that ranks 51st out of those 54 running backs. Uh, the last three have zero. So one of them is Garrett Blunt. He is, he is Garrett Blunt, one of the, <laughs> those players who does not have a oh. run of 15 yards. So okay. it's like, there's no explosion. That's no. a big problem with the offense as a whole, but especially the running game. And the fact that, like Josh Adams, an undrafted rookie free agent who missed all his spring practices, he was in and out a little bit during training camp with some injuries. And, like, he had a pretty good preseason for the most part. But I think relative to expectation, too, he wasn't, like, blowing people's minds. And I like Josh Adams. And I want to see him get the ball more. But at the same time, like, <laughs> do I think that he's just this star in the making? Like, I don't. And and I hope I'm wrong about that. But I just, I don't see, uh, I mean, his numbers have been good, obviously. He's been efficient player when he's at the ball but it's also a small sample size and I also think he's limited like even if he's a good runner he's really not giving you anything as a receiver and he has no history of doing that so that's a problem too you know when he's out there they're not going to throw to him or at least very often so there are limitations there as well and I think that is an issue just you know I yes it is a passing league but to to have that pressure taken off of you sometimes like wouldn't that be nice like maybe if carson isn't having the perfect game hey let's just give it to this running back and have him run a little bit and kind of make life easier for carson
1: you know and, what? I remember I remember you in two thousand sixteen BLG beating the drum for a yes. running back for Carson Wentz all year yes.
2: long. We were doing podcasts. <laughs> and and going into well, going into the 2017 draft, there was that golden opportunity to do it. There were so many players. And I was so pissed when they didn't get one of them. They ended up getting Donald Pumphrey, like the worst player, of course, uh, <laughs> that they could have gotten at running back, basically, who has not played an NFL snap. He's on the practice squad. We'll see if he ever even plays in the NFL. There's no even guarantee. So it's kind of frustrating. Uh, that's that's definitely been an issue this year, um, just to not have that. It's not like the make or break thing ultimately, but it's just it's that piece I think that you're missing from the offense, and I hope they address and. You know, think about just you know, for how long the Eagles had good running backs, and it was such a, a luxury, and it was so nice to see. Like, when you had Shady, you can just count on to have that guy there. Mm. And, um,
1: and Westbrook, and Westbrook, and Deuce. Daly. And Deuce Even and, like, Carell Buckhalter for a number of yeah. years. I mean, yeah. And
2: now it's just like, it's crap. Like, Smallwood yeah. is terrible. He, there's a reason he was the fourth string running back coming into this year. He is fine for a fourth string running back. If they kept him and he was in that role, fine but like if he's your number one guy it's not good enough. If Corey Clement is your number one guy, I mean at this point where where he is and whatever funk he is in or whatever you want to call it, like it's not good enough. Uh I had another stat I think on Corey Clement. Uh 51st out of 58 players in yards after contact per attempt this season so hey doug maybe don't throw to him behind the sticks on a a crucial third down because he is not making people miss at all this year so it's just it's frustrating man it's it's and and
1: that's funny too because clement was a guy who really was kind of a powerful runner after contact last year he he became essentially their goal line guy a, a lot of times late in the season and in the playoffs uh Uh, Down by the goal line, he just, uh, yeah, he's not. He has not been the same either this year. And so, you know, we're looking at now going up against the Saints team that scores a league high thirty six point seven points a game. Man, I mean, and you've got (laughs) you've got a secondary that's going to try and patch it together with bubble gum and rubber bands. And I just, man, the Eagles, what this team has to get off to a faster start this week, BLG. They have to score some first quarter points. The game script has to be better, and the execution of the game yeah. script has to be together has to be better. I don't know that actually even the plays are as much the problem I and mean, it's probably part of the problem, but we've seen players just not execute properly. We 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 saw in, on the opening series last week a couple of players do make mistakes. And and that's that's been a big issue as well and that's not something you notice as you're watching the games. That's only something you notice afterwards watching the all 22. You can see guys not finishing a block or or blocking someone incorrectly or a receiver not releasing as quickly as he should or not recognizing that the defense is playing man to man or zone or whatever it might be and the eagles have scored just 21 first quarter points this year and that's the fewest in the NFL <laughs> so i mean I, that's that has to that has to change this week if the eagles are going to have any chance in this game against the saints they cannot get down to this team 14 to nothing 21 to 3 they have got to stay with this team early blg they have to score
2: points on the opening drive this week how about no game script? <laughs> the game script is clearly not working. Yeah. Why not just go in there and be like, "Hey Carson, just do some stuff. Like, go make something happen." Like, we ch- <laughs> and like I know that sounds stupid, but like, I mean, I don't know. I trust Carson. I'm sure he could figure some things out. Uh, or or let him do the d- game script for for what I care. Like, they have to change something because clearly what they're doing is not working. And if you know, maybe that's the indictment on Mike Rowe right there. That. I don't. We don't know for sure that he is doing exactly what Frank Reich is doing, because uh, he really wouldn't divulge that when he was asked about that this week. Um, so I don't know for sure, but I would imagine. I think it's fair to guess that he might be doing the same thing in that mm-hmm. responsibility of coming up or helping Doug with that play script there. And if he is, he's clearly not doing a great job. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love to see a fast start. I have exactly like, zero faith that he would do that because yeah. how could you? And that's the like, how do you trust this Eagles team at all? Like, I just. You can't because they haven't shown it like and I, I think it's important for you there uh, as you did to point out that it's not all in the coaching. I think the coaching is deserving probably, or the coaching is probably getting uh, a lot more criticism than the players and I get it. I mean the coaching deserves blame I'm not trying to take blame off of the coaching but I think the players probably deserve a little bit more maybe blame than they are getting there because um, they have to execute as well and they're not and it's not just like they're putting they're being put in these possible positions to execute. You know, as Andy Reid would always say, he needs to put his players in a better position uh, to succeed. Yeah. And I don't think that's the issue. I don't think they're always being put in bad positions, but uh, they're also not executing. So it's a problem. And it's just, you know, it's across the board. Again, it, there's, it, it's across the board of this team. Lots of blame to go around. It's frustrating. It's not fun. The Eagles are four and five, and they could easily be four and six on Sunday. I have every expectation that they are going to lose this game uh and it sucks so yeah listen to bg radio
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's right yeah if you don't want to watch the games you can listen us talk about them all week no but you're probably gonna watch the games um uh, just a couple other quick things on the injury report hearing timmy jernigan could play this week against the saints he's of course not on the injury list because he's still on uh the nfi list but um we're also hearing mike wallace out of his walking boot but he hasn't started running yet i mean seriously by the time wallace is able to play this season is going to be all wrapped up. I mean, I can yeah. understand why he wants to come back, but your your fast receiver is just out of his walking boot and hasn't started running yet. I mean, are we, you know, what's what's the point here? Still no Darren Sproles at practice. Um, and uh, li- limited in practice on Thursday, Lane Johnson and Haloti Nada. I think that was a big thing last week too, BLG, is all week long Lane Johnson was practicing. It looked like he was going to play. And then suddenly right before the game, he's out. And you had to put Vitai in at right tackle for him. And then you run Josh Adams behind Vitae on fourth and one. You know, it's just <laughs> winning again, combination. It, yeah. Yeah. And that's the it, that to me is, is is the epitome of this season is, OK, what are you going to do? Lane Johnson's hurt. You have to make the best of a bad situation. So you put your the guy in there that you have to be your versatile backup guy who's clearly not as good as the other guys. But, you know, you hope that Vitae with a little bit of help can can get the job done. But on a fourth and one, you're you're. You've got to recognize the personnel you have, and that's what I don't understand. Is running? I mean, you want to run Josh Adams in that situation if you're going to use one of the three running backs. That's probably the best call. But I'm not running to the right behind the one offensive lineman that you can't really trust at this point. I'm running. To, I'm running behind Jason Peters, even as banged up as he is, and and trying to go that route. You know, I it just that's that's part of what's been going on with this team this year. Is is. Yes, they've dealt with a lack of injuries, but it doesn't seem like the team has been able to weather the storm and and make good decisions based on the personnel that they actually have out there. So, hopefully, a healthier Lane Johnson this week helps out a little bit, BLG.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Um, he didn't go through a pregame workout last week, which is not a good sign, and clearly meant he wasn't going to play at that point. Yeah. Um, Cindy Jones did, by contrast, and also he has been ramped up to a full participant in practice, like you said, so... Good to have him back. Like We talked about at the top of the show and we'll see potentially how he does starting on the outside. But yeah, the rest of the injury report, I don't know if Lane's going to play or not. I would honestly guess that he wouldn't just because, you know, he's, he was limited all last week and he didn't play. it's uh, he's going to be limited all again. I'm just guessing he's not going to play. We'll see on Friday, uh, the yeah. final injury report. Uh, if he's full go on Friday, all of a sudden, okay, maybe that changes. But um, I think you just go back to the line as a whole on both sides of the ball. Like what was the strength of the Eagles last year? It was the trenches. And this year, can you really say the same thing? No. Not really. No. Uh, the, the defensive line has dropped off. I think there's still the strength of the defense overall. And they are I think they're an above average unit. Uh, they're not bad all of a sudden. But they're just not quite as dominant as they were last year. They don't. And clean they clean wear
1: clean. down late, BLG.
2: And they should, honestly. Yeah. They should wear down late because there's no rotation. Like, you don't yeah. have Bo Allen. Timmy me, hasn't been here. Uh, Derek Barnett is hurt um brandon graham came into the season with an injury you know coming off that ankle injury that he had in the offseason so chris long is a year older uh you know michael bennett has been very good but also he's up there too so it's it was tough and on the offensive line obviously you've been banged up um all around you had a change at left guard and it's just not the same as it was last year and it's just a different year too like yeah. and you're coming off the super bowl and maybe there is some complacency to some level there uh and that is factors into the the whole hangover discussion so it's just it's tough like when that's the the strength of your team and i think this team overall is a good job of you know, putting the resources there and the focus there. And I think in the long run, that is another reason to be encouraged about, or at least to have faith in this team's future. So they value those sides of the ball. And, you know, if, if they can prioritize that, I think that will pay off ultimately as it did last year. But right now it's just not good enough. And to have big V in there, I think people don't realize how much of a liability that is. Uh, Michael Kiss did a, had a great breakdown of that on Bleeding Green Nation. It's not just about like the one-on-one, of you know lane johnson being replaced by big v who on a you know a a glance from if we're talking about him big v is serviceable i think anyone can kind of agree with that it doesn't mean he's good uh he's certainly there's a lot of bad but you know overall he's generally serviceable but where does that serviceable level you know what does that it's not like you just stick him in there and he's serviceable it's like he's serviceable because you're asking a lot of other players to help him out through the game and that as takes effects on the offense as a whole because all of a sudden you're leaving more players into block or to chip and that's you know hurting the offense so that's kind of just where it starts there in the trenches and they haven't been good enough and that's a big issue
1: well uh one last thing before we uh before we move on about the about the saints is i just wanted to you know we didn't really talk much about drew Brees, but uh his 123.8 123.8 pass rating is the best in the NFL, and his connection that he has with Michael Thomas is something else. Oh uh, ES- ESPN Stats Info had this number. Drew Brees has connected with Michael Thomas on 89.5% of his throws to him this year. That would be the highest completion percentage for any quarterback wide receiver duo in the last 15 years. I mean, wow. they just they have a special connection right now, but they also rely heavily on their running game. And if, if there's any cause for enthusiasm that it would be that the Eagles run defense last week, notwithstanding, is generally pretty good against the run. Um, but again, we mentioned that Camaro does so much out of the passing, out of the backfield in the passing game that, um, really he's just, he's such a double threat and that, that team just figures out a way to run the ball on teams. So, um, it really, it's just a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal offense right now. And they are, they are hitting on all cylinders at the moment. So, uh, we are going to give you our Eagles versus Saints pick here coming up in just a couple minutes. But as we do every week, let's just run down a couple NFC East games. And uh, I threw one bonus game in there as well this week, BLG. But we'll start off in Atlanta. The Dallas Cowboys go down to Atlanta to take on a Falcons team that has played some some better football lately, but is by no means a great team. Atlanta favored by three and a half points in uh, most of the places that I looked at. Um, how are you feeling about uh, the Cowboys at the Falcons right now with Atlanta giving three and a half?
2: I'll take the Falcons here. You know, the Cowboys still stink. I know they beat the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles stink more, clearly. But I still think they're pretty bad as a whole. Uh, and Atlanta obviously has their issues. They just lost to the Browns. But I think that'll wake them up a little bit here. They're back at home. They know they can't take a team easy. And I think they'll bounce back with a win. I just think they're better than Dallas overall.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think Atlanta uh, handles Dallas pretty easily. I, I wonder if Dallas... Probably played their best game of the season on Sunday night against the Eagles, and now you travel to a Falcons team where Matt Ryan is playing some very good football this year. He has had a very good season. It's kind of interesting that there's a lot of really good quarterbacks having good seasons on teams that are struggling. Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, uh, Ryan with the Falcons, Wentz on the Eagles. There's a, there's a few different teams where, where that's happening this year. Um, Looking at the next game, Houston at Washington. The Texans are favored by three points. And by the way, this is the last winning team on the Redskins <laughs> schedule this year. Um Washington a home underdog to the Texans. BLG, I, I don't I, I like Washington in this game as a home underdog. I, I Yeah. I know I know Houston's hot, but I, I don't know that Houston we've talked about the Texans, that mm-hmm. they're not really all that good. And going into Washington and being a road favorite by three points, I'm not I'm not buying that.
2: Yeah, I'll take the points here. I think that's pretty easy for me. And Washington isn't that great either. I mean, you look yeah. at that Buccaneers game, like they easily could have lost that in, in a world like, – because you know, how the Buccaneers move the ball like for over 500 yards and they only score, what, three points? Three like, points.
1: It was an unbelievable cacophony of turnovers like, from, from
2: – That Canada. happens so like, – give teams that amount of yardage against Washington, you know, in a simulation over so many times and they're not scoring three points every time. Like, that's right. the very <laughs> rare outcome. So yeah, uh, Washington sucks too, but you know, uh, they don't, they don't suck as much as some other teams, but they're, they're not great. Um, but still, I don't think Houston's good. We've talked about that. They've, some of these wins here, like they're overtime and they're, a lot of them are like really close. Um, they just beat the Broncos a couple weeks. Right. Where like, you know, Denver misses a last-second field goal. Like it's just they're they're not a very super legitimate team to me. So Washington's at home; they're getting points. I think that's a an easy bet there.
1: By the way, did you see some of the comments some Washington players have making have been making about their home fans in their stadium? They've,
2: They've been, been calling them out, right?
1: Oh, ripping them like crazy! It is it's such a, it's such a terrible crowd. The Washington <laughs> Redskins crowd used to be great back in the day. You know, back in the back in the the Joe Gibbs days and all that. It's just. There is no zeal for that team in that stadium. Even a team that has a good record, there's no confidence in the city in that football team. In fairness good- to
2: them, that stadium is horrible. At least from what I hear, I haven't been there. Oh, so it's awful. Maybe it's Dan horrible Sider to get to the stadium, and some more people yeah. would come.
1: It's impossible to get to. It takes forever to get there. It's it's totally inaccessible. The in stadium experience is dog crap. It's, the press it's,
2: box view is terrible. From the pictures I've yes,
1: seen. yes, I've actually been in the I've been in the press box. I was uh I was working as a, as a runner for Westwood One when they were doing an Eagles-Redskins uh, Sunday night or a Monday night game years ago. I think this was, back, this was back in 04 in the Super Bowl season. And I was in the press box. And they, you are tucked away over to, I don't even, golly, it was hard to even know where it was. We were on like the 15-yard the line having to look diagonally across. You couldn't see anything. It was just, it's just awful. Unbelievably awful. Um, All right, let's look at uh, Tampa at the Giants. I mean, really, who cares? But I included it because it's an NFC East game. Tampa favored by one point on the road. It's a pick Yeah, you know, Tampa put up a lot of points. I mean, I think Tampa's going to move the ball on the Giants. I think Tampa's going to score points. And I don't think the Giants are going to... I mean, I know the Giants are playing a Tampa defense that's brutal. But I don't know. I think Tampa's got more talent. I'll take the Buccaneers in this one, BLG.
2: I took the Giants last week, and I was right. And I think it was an easy bet to me. They were getting points on the road against the San Francisco team. I'll take him again because I think Thank that you. they're they're bad. Clearly, you love Eli Manning. Uh, yeah, that's is. that's what it is. Um, but I just think <laughs> you know I think that the teams they're playing here are worse. Like I think the 49ers are worse, and I think the Buccaneers, at where they are at, they also have the potential to be pretty bad. They also have some variance for upside there with Brian Fitzpatrick, of course, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'll take the Giants. And I would love for the Giants to win. Because all they continue to do is kind of just <laughs> screw up their draft positioning. So hey, I'll yeah, take it. Yeah.
1: All right. And the big game that, that we're gonna get on the NFL schedule this week is the Kansas City Chiefs at the LA Rams. I mean, I think that everybody thinks this is a Super Bowl preview. Not me. Not you. Okay. Not we'll get all right. Into that. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do that. But the Rams are favored by three points in this one. Uh, BLG, how do you see this one shaking out, buddy?
2: Oh, I will say, I think the Super Bowl preview is, would be, rather, Kansas City versus the Rams, or the Saints. I think the Saints are going okay. to the Super Bowl. I just, okay. Just, and since it's Saints week, I'll get into it a little bit. It just feels yeah. like it's their year. Like, you watched that. Did you watch that Monday Night Football game where Drew Brees broke the record? Like, it just feels like it's their year. It really does to me. Um, you know, Drew Brees, it's probably his last ride, I would assume, maybe, mm-hmm um he's just having an amazing season this rams or the saints team is very talented uh they easily could have gone to the super bowl last year you know had the minnesota miracle not happened so That's true i think they're very good um but as far as this she or the, the chiefs at rams game now which will be played in la instead of Mexico city because of the terrible right. field conditions and everything uh huge game and a great monday night football game the, the monday night football Slate has really not been too great, uh, for a couple weeks now, and this game is easily the game of the year in the entire league so far, at least on paper. Uh, man, I think I took the Chiefs. I took the Chiefs to win in the BGN picks, so I can't do that and not take them here, getting the points. I just think, you know, LA is a good team, but I think, I just think that the Chiefs are better. I think they. Um, I think their offense is even better. I like Pat Mahomes more than Jared Goff, which you know is a big factor for me, the quarterback thing there. And I'll take Andy Reid over Sean McVay as well. So that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to me. Uh, I will take the Chiefs with the points on the road. I'm gonna ring the bell on you, BLJ, right, here do because it.
1: I I think I this feels like an Andy Reid overthink game. We haven't you know, had I, it yet,
2: and it's No. It's we right haven't. there.
1: It's right there. And the Rams are a really good team. Uh I again I don't know how much of a home field advantage uh LA has, but I know Kansas City has a huge home field advantage. So it mm-hmm. definitely benefits the Rams to be playing this game in Los Angeles. Uh but I, I think uh, I think LA beats Kansas City here for for no other reason than you know, I do think that Andy Reid is due for a game where he he basically makes a bunch of wrong decisions, poor clock management, and so far that they've had enough talent to make Andy Reid look really good. And I love Andy Reid. I hope he wins the Super Bowl this year. I'm pulling for the Chiefs If you know, as it looks like the Eagles are not going to be in contention here for this right. thing, but I do think this is one of those games where Andy's going to go in and uh, it's just not going to happen for, for Kansas City. Um, the Rams at home are incredibly good. I do think it's going to be high scoring, obviously, so bet the over everybody if you're going to do that, but uh, I will take uh, I'll take the Rams. Uh, I'll take the Rams as a three point favorite here in LA. So let's move on, BLG, to the Eagles versus Saints pick. And really, in short, is there any rationale anyone can make to pick the Eagles this week?
2: I mean, the NFL is a random league. Weird things can happen. You know, the Bills can go to Minnesota and somehow blow the Vikings out. It makes no sense. It can happen. Yes, yeah. mean, anything can happen in the NFL, but it won't happen this week. I just – I can't see it. I can't – and I, I guess I was saying the same thing when the Eagles had just gotten the, the doors blown off of them on Thanksgiving Day 2015. And then they go to the New England to play the Patriots and they beat the Patriots that's somehow right. with Sam Bradford at quarterback. Like So, crazier things have happened. I get it. But I just – I don't see it with this team. I just – they've been competitive all year. I think that's an underrated thing about this team. Like, they've been in every single game. They, they know, haven't lost a game
1: by more than one possession, right? Yeah.
2: Like that's, that's, like, that's not like, oh, my God, oh yeah, moral victory. But it's it, it's the context of like they're not this horrible team. There are teams that are yeah. really bad that are getting blown, the, their doors blown off of them. But that might be the Eagles this week because, the, again, the Saints offense is really good. Um, I think the Saints kind of are going to take this one a little bit personal because I think they really did think you know that they could have gone to the Super Bowl and possibly won had they had the chance to play the Eagles last year. And I think they kind of want to prove that in this one. Um, so I really like the Saints here. Uh, I think my prediction that I gave to Canal Street Chronicles, who, by the way, Saints writer actually took the Eagles to win this game. What? Wow,
0: I have no idea.
2: Really? Yeah. So go read that article on BDN if you want to uh, see why Saints reader thinks uh, the Eagles can win this week. But to me, I just don't see it. And I am going to take the Eagles to lose 42 to 21. Boy,
1: oh boy, 42 to 21, man. I, I think the, I agree with you. They're, the only way the Eagles could win this game is if they get a bunch of wacky turnovers if there's maybe a special team's touchdown, which Eagles haven't come close to breaking a special teams touchdown this year. Uh, or in, maybe the turnover thing happens, you know, I get a, a ball tipped at the line that gets intercepted, run back for six or something like that. Uh, there's an injury or something like that. Or, you know, just the Saints come out flat. Maybe I can't imagine the Saints would, that this would be a trap game necessarily for New Orleans because this is the defending world champions. As you mentioned, they, they do feel like they probably could have gone into Philadelphia last year and given certainly a better game than the Vikings ended up giving the Eagles in the NFC championship game. But I don't think so. I think, I think the Saints are going to be up for this game as well. And I just you look at you look at it on paper and there doesn't seem to be anything the Eagles can do to stop this uh, to stop this offense. I do think the Eagles will do a better job than most at keeping New Orleans out of the end zone. Maybe they do seem to have the ability to force more field goals than touchdowns. So I don't think I'm going to put this score in the 40s for New Orleans, but I've got New Orleans beating the Eagles 34 to 24. I do think the Eagles will pile up some points. During the course of the game here and there, but it's not, it's going to be like it has been. It's going to be kind of a slog going down the field. And, you know, even against a a defense that some weeks can be quite porous, New Orleans is, I think, going to handle the Eagles pretty easily here as well. So I'll be interested to check out with the New Orleans writer what what his rationale was for picking the Eagles because I sure don't see it. But we got a 425 kickoff, it's on Fox on Sunday afternoon. BLG, we got a four and five football team getting ready to go up against an eight and one team. What are your final thoughts, my friend?
2: Uh, um, That's a good final thought right there, man. Yeah, just <laughs> I, the I, long uh, exhale. I just don't know what to say. <laughs> it's it's a mediocre team. They're boring. We just did, what, like an hour long podcast about them? So thank yeah. you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, you might want to give up on the team, but don't give up on us, obviously. We, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, we'll be here for you, win or lose the whole rest of the season, uh, good or bad. So at least you can have that to look forward to. Uh, and I guess that's about it. Um, don't. How about just don't totally get blown out this week, and that'll be the the a week moral victory.
1: Yeah, let's 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 keep it to a one possession loss if we if we could just in keeping with the theme here of the 2018 season. And just a reminder, folks, if you haven't done so yet. Um, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a, a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, it uh, would help new Eagles fans find the podcast. And uh, so if you haven't done that yet, then you can. You wouldn't mind spending a couple seconds going to Apple Podcasts, finding Bleeding Green Nation, and uh, leaving a review for all the shows we have here. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. That'll do it for episode number 21 of BGN Radio for Brandon Lee Gowton. I'm John Stolness. Everybody, try and enjoy the game on Sunday. That doesn't make
0: sense.
1: Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from the Good Fight and the Phillies podcast Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Clentac and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get Continued Success, a Phils podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.